Good to see you tonight. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 19 this evening. And hope you've had a good week. Just, um, just been rejoicing in all that uh, God's been able to do this, uh, this past weekend. And I appreciate the Lord. Um, we went to Jaden's um, Jaden's chiropractor appointment this afternoon, and uh, he busted into the the, um, the 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 room there and immediately just told his uh, his chiro, "I'm saved, I'm saved," and started started telling telling her about the fact that he's saved, and um, and then she asked, "Who saved you?" He said, "God saved me, God saved me," and then she said, "You know what?" I, I'm, I'm saved too. And she said, I, I called on the Lord when I was around your age. And just, um, just reminded her about um, her, her salvation. And so I began to talk about, uh, just talk about, you know, what the Lord's done in her life. And uh, she mentioned a couple of things there where, you know, wasn't active for quite a while. And um, she actually said, well, would you pray for me about that? And so, you know, out of the mouth of babes, right? And so good to, uh, good to see you this evening. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 19, and we'll just begin reading in verse 36. And just a simple thought tonight as we, you know, we think about the Lord Jesus here. He comes through. This is the triumphant entry of the Lord, of course, a significant event in prophecy. But as he was uh, going through here, there were those who were murmuring against what was happening as far as what was transpiring. And in verse 36, as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began seen. And so there was a recognition by those that were in Jerusalem of who this was on, that, uh, on the back of that, uh, that, that donkey. And they're recognizing who he was, the king. And Verse 38 saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And then notice verse 39, And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. They were saying, you know, don't you recognize what they're ascribing to you? And of course we know and we understand that this is the Lord Jesus. He is God and he, he is worthy to be ascribed all these things. But the, again, the Pharisees were blind to that. And notice Jesus' Jesus's response in verse 40. He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, those, the whole crowd there, says the stones would immediately cry out. And uh, just begun to think about the fact that, you know, we have different opportunities in our time to just be part of God's will. You know, there were those in this time, and, and sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I try to imagine or, or think, well, I wonder how it would have been like to be in that, in that time. And of course, we can, we can imagine it all we want, and we could even wish it all we want, but it'll never happen, we weren't there. But those who were in the, in the crowd in that day, they got to be part of the unraveling of God's will in that time. And whilst we may not have that same experience, we have that today. We can be part of God's will, right? 
we can be part of God's plan. We can be part of what God is actually doing in our, in our, in our time, in this time that we have. And whilst we may not have what they had, we have, we have very much the opportunities that we have today to be part of what God wants now. And sometimes we take the attitude that, that, that if we go ahead and, and we don't do what we're supposed to do as God's people, that somehow the loss is not on us, but the loss is on God. Like it's His loss. Like we go about and, and perhaps we're, we're not as faithful as we should. And, and sometimes we have the attitude that, well, if I don't do that, then it's God's loss. But actually, the reality is it's our loss. And he was saying that to the Pharisees. He was saying, you know, if these people don't recognize this and, and if they don't cry out and praise me like I should be being praised, he's saying, you know, I don't actually need them. I could cause the, the stones to cry out and praise me. And, you know, the, the reality is with when it comes to the... God's plan, God's will in our lives, when we don't follow, follow Him and we don't go along and, and, and faithfully follow after what He would have for us to do, it's not actually God's loss, it's our loss. Because God's always got other, other things at play that are just placed there. You think about the stones, they had no reason to be there other than God placed them there. There was no decision-making in, in the stones. They're not even alive. They're inanimate objects. But in God's will and even in God's power and in, in God's doing, when those things that are supposed to be doing the things that they're doing don't do it, He'll even cause those things that are already there and surrounding it to do the thing that they were, they were meant to do in the first place. It's not like God can't replace us. It's not like we're, we're in somehow, in some way, going to hinder ultimately what God will deserve. But the thing that, that we need to recognize is it's not His loss, it's our loss. So, so if these people didn't do what they were supposed to do, they miss out on being part of the story and being part of what God was trying to do in that moment, the, the praising of the Lord. And I think there's just some things that we can learn. You know, I think about another person who missed out. And look at Exodus chapter 17. Look at Exodus chapter 17 and another inanimate object is used here. Look at Exodus chapter 17 and, and look at verses 5 and 6. This time it's not a stone, it's a rock. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses in verse 5, Go on before the people. And take with thee of the elders of Israel in thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. And there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So at this point, God instructs Moses, go strike the rock, and out of the rock comes water. Now, if you've ever tried that, I'm going to tell you how impossible that is, right? But because God instructed it, and this simple rock now spouts out water that quenches the thirst of God's people. But it was just a rock. It just was in the way. It just was placed there for this very reason. And Moses, in this situation, got to be part of it. 
But then skip now to Numbers chapter 20 and look, notice then the second instance here that, that God tells him about a rock. He goes to Numbers chapter 20, look at, look at verse 8. So in verse 7, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, says, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And notice he says, he says, speak unto the rock this time. He doesn't say strike it. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. So this, this rock was just in the way. And, and somehow, even though Moses really in disobedience strikes it twice, God still causes it to bless, and God still causes it to be used. In verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because you believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. You know who missed out? Moses missed out. It was the one that should have had understanding and should have known. And in his frustration, he misses out in what actually what God wanted in his life. Why? Because he disobeyed. Because he didn't get in the way. Because he didn't simply just believe in that moment, even above his frustration. And what happened was, even a simple rock was used to bless. Even a simple rock in its inanimate object situation, there just was nothing. And yet God still caused that thing to be the thing that blesses his people. And I'm saying sometimes we, we have this, sometimes we, we miss Miss, uh, miss, we miss really what God's trying to do in our lives because we miss in the, the moment and, and the mindset that it's actually us that have the loss. And, and God doesn't need us at times. God just chooses to include us. And that's the privilege that we have. You know, sometimes we'll go about and we'll sort of just mess around with our lives. Like, you know, the, this life that God has given us is just somewhat our own to live and we go about and suddenly we look back and we might look with regret at all the missed things that we've, we've, we could have done for the Lord. And whilst He's gracious to then perhaps get us back on track and get us to a place where we can be used again, it's not that God had the loss, it's that, that we had the loss. We missed out. And what we learn is, is we, we shouldn't take advantage of God's God's working in our lives. You, it could have been anyone there that day, but those who were there, they missed out. And I think today God has given us this time, and we've got to recognize it's our privilege to be used of God. And you know what the losses are for us? The loss of being part of God's will. You know, there's many things that God just declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times as things that are not yet. And he says, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. It's God's will will be done. It will happen. It's just whether it happens with us following it or not. And, you know, God will get what he wants done regardless of who or what he uses. 
whether it's humans or rocks, he'll still get it done. And, and it's just that we have the privilege, he's given us the ability to choose. And in both, God can animate in order to fulfill his will. You know, in the first place, it was God that gave mankind life. Hey, don't, don't forget where we came from. We were dust and then he breathed into us the breath of life. And now we have purpose. Now we have the ability to be used. But if we refuse, it's not like God doesn't have other plans. It's not like God can't adjust in his, in his, uh, in his foreknowledge. And God in his, in his business of giving purpose and life to what's lifeless will get his will done. And it, it, it could have been that crowd that day at the triumphal entry, if they paused, even the stones would have cried out. And so there's a loss of being part of God's will. You know, there's a loss for us of being proven to be faithful. You know, faithfulness is not only just being committed, but also it's being in our place. Faithfulness is a character trait of God who is consistent and, and and authentic in all that he does. And, you know, too many times our tendency to not do what we're designed to do, it, it really, the loss there for us is it, it proves that we're not faithful. And yet the Bible calls us to, to a life of faithfulness. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And a basic part of faithfulness is just being in your place. You know what he was saying? That those people were right there. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. But if they didn't, he had other things in place. He had even the stones in place that could cry out. And I'm saying that so much of God's will, and there's not a great deal of mystery in it, actually. It's just being in the place where God has you. It's just being there. You know, so many Christians miss out on, on where, what they're supposed to get because they're just simply not where they're supposed to be. They're not there on the Sunday. They're not there on the Sunday morning, the Sunday evening where, where God's word is being preached. They're not taking the opportunity. They're not where they're supposed to be. And yet, even if we can learn from these stones, they, if, if God chose to use them, it wasn't anything special about those stones. It was just the fact that they were there. And there's a loss of being proven just to be faithful in that. You know, the Bible warns us this way in Proverbs 21, 16, the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. And it's like we're just that inanimate object. We're just dead. When we wander away from the place of understanding, and you know what God does? He always surrounds us with other things or other people who can take up the slack. And, you know, when Moses failed, he had Joshua. When Saul, who was the first king of Israel, was rejected, he had David ready. When Elijah went through the discouragement that he went through and he basically said he can't do it anymore, God had Elisha prepared. When Judas fell from his office, he had Matthias ready. You know, when Adam failed, he had a second Adam, Jesus. And what I'm saying is God, God has a plan always. And if we, if we go about and we fail in what we're doing, it's not him that misses out. It's we miss out. And these rocks were there. It's, it's, it was a final reminder that God can use anything and anyone. 
And really, at the end of it, there's a loss of being placed for his glory. Because at the end of the day, those people there who rang out praise to God, it was just for his glory. It was meant to reflect that. And, and he's saying that, you know, if that, those who were meant to give God glory couldn't and wouldn't, then he's going to get his glory anyway. And he even placed rocks, stones that could witness to the glory of God. And we are reminded in Psalm 19, verse 1, that the heavens declare, right, the glory of God. You know, sometimes we ask about those that are in different parts of the world that don't have missionaries. And I'm a firm believer that, that God resources enough that he could, he could accomplish the thing that he's called us to do. We, he's called us to reach the world. We look around and there are, there are places all around the world that still don't have a, a missionary, don't still have a gospel presence there. And we wonder how God will reach those. And yet what we find is that God witnesses of himself. He'll use nature. He'll use other means to witness and, 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 and penetrate the heart of man, the reality of God. And whilst he chooses to use mankind for his for his work, he's not stopped by our refusal. It's, but the, the refusal, the loss is on those that refuse. And we're created for, for that purpose, to glorify him. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And our destiny is to, is to live in such a way that gives God glory and praise and and what he's saying is even the rocks, even the stones can do that if he needed them to. And you know what? Sometimes we can be a little hard-headed. And we can look at our lives and sometimes we think, well, it's just a life that we live for ourselves. But listen, if I can remind you tonight, you know, even the rocks, if he needed to, will get it. And we better get it because at the end of the day, it's not his loss, it's ours. And so I would encourage you tonight as we get into the week, be in your place. Be in a place where, where you're, you're, you're glorifying God, giving Him His, His due. and Be in a place where you are part of God's will. Because if you're not, it's not God's loss, it's ours. All right, for the jewel, thanks.